have a bully inside your head telling you that you're not good enough? Do you lean towards self-defeat? Do you have trouble believing in yourself? And are you dying to learn how to become the perfect version of you? A you that you dream about? If you answered yes, then you're like me, and this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Journey to Worthy podcast, where we discuss self-esteem, worthiness, and transformation through a gay lens. I'm your host, Jeremy Long, and I want to share my journey with you. Welcome to the Journey to Worthy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Journey to Worthy podcast. So we've got a special interview with a friend of mine, Chad Walters. Chad Walters is a big time advocate for the LGBTQ community, and we discuss lots of his work, uh, including his work with Canadian Blood Services, some trans rights advocacy, and even helping refugees seek asylum in Canada. Uh, we also discuss how Chad has used fitness as an outlet for self-esteem and creativity, how he's overcome addiction and his long road to recovery. We even get as far into it as discussing how social media can positively influence self-esteem. That's just in part one. So please stay tuned for part two, which is going to be coming soon, where we discuss anything from selfies, social media, self-esteem, nudity, Chad's time on a reality TV show, and the story of how Chad fell in love with his now fiance. So please check out part two coming soon. And so enjoy part one. Welcome, Chad Walters. Say hello, Chad. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Awesome. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming down. Um, if you want to get right into just telling me a little bit about yourself. I, uh, where do I start? Um, I am professionally a social worker at Surrey Memorial Hospital, mm -hmm. working in an older adult unit right now with folks living with dementia. Okay. Um, in my spare time, I am doing... I teach step aerobics at the Robert Lee YMCA right. on a voluntary basis on Thursday nights. And um, I do freelance modeling work when I get it here and there just for fun or for cash. Oh, cool. And I mean, those are the main staples of the week. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, I was really curious to have you on the show. As you know, like I sent you some uh, messages about I've just been watching you over the last few years and you seem to always be involved in like so many things. You've always got something going on, whether it's uh, volunteer uh, work or just being involved in the queer community in some aspect. Um, it seems like that's something you're super passionate about. So that was definitely something I was curious to hear about. Um, is there what like what led you down the road that you've gone on when it comes to being wanting to be involved in the community? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I can answer what led me to it. I don't know. It's just kind of something that happens, you know, I see something that, uh, needs some attention or needs to change and I engage with it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and see where that will go. So maybe it's, uh, a distaste for the way that things are that motivate me to change it. Right. Yeah. Is there anything in particular that you've been really proud of within those community engagements in the last few years? Like what's your, what's your most yeah. passionate area? Um, what I, one of the things I'm really proud of is my work with Canadian blood services. Okay. Um, and I, I say that cause it's been really long standing. It's been about nine years really. Oh, wow. You're, uh, yeah. Since I've really engaged with them, mm -hmm. uh, the passion in, of getting involved with them was since I was 
18 and I was turned away because I wasn't able to donate blood for transfusion. Because you're gay. Because I've had sex once, at least once, with, with a man since right. 1977. Right. Right. When I was 18, that was the policy at that time. Yeah. The MSM policy. Yeah, it's changed since, of course. There's been two policy changes and I've been involved in that. Okay. So they've invited me to Ottawa. I've been back and forth um, to Ottawa with them several times, um, working on and being a part of the stakeholder group of the MSM community. Okay. So I've been watching the progression of this policy mm-hmm. and am quite abreast at where we're at now. Yeah, so that's that's probably the one that I'm most proud of because it's been rewarding to see along and it's been a long-standing commitment and I'm still engaged. Right. It's not like I do something every day or every week. No. But I've I've been involved in watching. And what what is the change now? Like what are the legal changes? Where are we at? Yeah, where are we at? Right now, so we changed from a lifetime deferral to a five years. So if you've had sex with another man with or without a condom, even once in the last five years, you were deferred and then it's changed to one year. Okay. Um, so that's where we're at right now. Um, however, j- last January, I was in Ottawa talking with them along with, um, blood system leaders from all over the world, um, New Zealand and La- England, Spain, mm-hmm. France, you know, a bunch of different country blood system leaders were there. Mm-hmm. They're all in the same place. Like, what are we going to do now? Is it similar rules in yes. other countries? Yes, it is. Yeah. So right now they are looking at, when I say they, I mean, Canada yeah. <laughs> is looking at um, trying to get research to inform the next change, whatever that next change may look like. Okay. So it's Health Canada is the regulator. Yeah. Canadian Blood Service is the blood system. Right. Um, so Health Canada needs evidence that any change is not going to lead to another infection of right. hundreds of people like happened in the 80s. Right. Um, and what kind of research are they going to have to do in order to find that out? They're doing a ton. You can see on their website, actually, they have a list of all of their research programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very interesting. I can't oh. name any of them, but right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's worth a look okay. to see what they're going to do. Cool. So I know that people are frustrated by this and there's a lot of contention and heat and resentment and hurt about this whole discussion. Yeah. Um, and all I can say to those folks is that work is happening. Right. Change is slow. Yeah. But they're committed. That's a good message for people because from someone that hasn't really done a lot of research in the area, you may just hear, oh, I have sex with men, therefore I cannot donate blood. And it just becomes like this me against them sort of resentment. Like, yes. well. It's just another depression on the gay community. Yes. But there is movement, you're saying. There is movement. Yeah. It's slow. Yeah. But it's there. Well, and we've seen that with, you know, gay rights and now trans rights in the last few years yes. as well. It is moving, but it is slow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And beyond the blood blood stuff, um, you know, right now I am involved with Fraser Health Authority and that's where I work mm-hmm. or who I work for rather. Right. And I... I'm a part of a working group to make Fraser Health Authority trans and gender variant friendly. Fantastic. Uh, and gender neutral. So right. I'm sitting on a committee right now and um kind of see how we can change that. Yeah. All the way down to the system, you know. So you go into the hospital and you get admitted and you get marked as M or F. Right. And that's it. You know. And that's still the, the way it is. That's the way it is. And there's yeah. not really a system electronically that facilitates or allows people to identify in any varied way. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so starting there, but also with education, signage, visibility, right? All these different things. And we do see that in a lot of community organizations. There's a change in bathroom signs. Yes. And like a little bit of, but it's still not as visible. Right. As we'd like. So right. what's the next, what do you think is the next step when it comes to like so much I think has been done on the gay rights platform and only just starting now is, you know, more and more people getting involved in the trans rights movement. So what's the next step? Broadly speaking or sure. in the context? Whatever, that whatever you feel. I would say larger bodies like a health authority yeah. taking something like this on and making the necessary changes mm-hmm. um, will, I think, will grow the change. Right. In other organizations, bigger ones, smaller ones, even just in people coming to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. So bigger players getting involved in making the changes, I think, is key. Yeah, I agree. It sounds like, you know, there's been a bunch of people, single people involved as individuals in trying to make things change and move on. But when you have bigger players in the game, obviously it becomes a little bit more visible. And even with media coverage, you know, like watching... Watching the change in just gay presentation over the years, like has increased visibility and exposure to people. Mm-hmm. And that's slowly happening with the trans community as well. But again, not as much as we would hope or not mm-hmm. as quickly, perhaps. Yeah. Again, change is slow, right? It always comes back to that. Yeah. So with this, like you've been involved in some things that do take change slowly so yes. it must come with some frustration. So like, what keeps you, what keeps you so involved? Like sometimes I think people end up giving up because, you know, things don't change fast enough. What keeps you involved? Yeah. I don't know what keeps, I mean, because I've seen the change. If I look back, if we're talking about the blood situation again, right. because I've seen the policy change Yeah, and legislation on a national level is huge. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I've seen now two instances of that change, I feel a sense of, hope and promise that it will continue to change for the better. Right. So that's one thing. Yeah. In terms of the health authority, I'm actually quite frustrated right now. Are you? To be honest. (laughs) And I'm almost at a point where I want to quit. Right. That work. Not so much sitting on the committee, Mm -hmm. but in my site, I have noticed that it's not very LGBT friendly. Right. And I wanted to try to change that somehow. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are these poster, you know, I don't know, areas within the halls of the hospitals that right. people can put up posters and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I've asked administration to have ownership of one of those sections in order to put up posters, different rainbow flags for right. different you know, groups of people and resources. So family, staff and whomever can start to realize that there are resources and make, especially in Surrey, a more... Uh, friendly environment or accessible, accessible. Yes. Right. And visible. And I, it's been about six months mm-hmm. that I've been trying to, if not longer, get access to this space. Mm-hmm. And I've collected all of these posters from community partners and I've given them to my manager and then to uh, another site manager and then to a director. Lots of stuff. Lots of following up. Yeah. What's going on with this? Where are you? What's happening? Only to be, told, no, sorry, we can't put these up because it has to be with the logo of Fraser Health and whatever. There were some reasons for it at this point. And after that, you know, it was just really tough. You know, I see the need for the change and I see the barriers and I see all of the different levels and requirements to get things approved. And it's just exhausting. Yeah. But 
I mean, it has to happen. Right. And that's what I said in my reply when I was told, no, I'm like, okay, well then how do we get the logo on these posters? How do we make this happen then? Good. You know, I'm not, I don't think that they realize that I don't just stop. (laughs) Which is great because that's what does create change is having people like you that are not going to take no for an answer and willing to stick around and be frustrated and continue to move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a big thing. Not a lot of people are willing to do that. Hmm. Yeah. And I fear that it's going to make my, maybe my professional relationship with some of these people a bit salty, right? Because if I keep pushing mm-hmm. like, Oh, this again, Oh, oh this guy and his damn posters, you know, <laughs> but, but maybe that doesn't in, really phase me to be honest, because it's gotta, it's gotta happen. Right. And maybe later in the future, like you, you, like you've already said right, right now, you can look back and see change. And so, yeah, the frustrating moments do come and they will continue, but one day those posters will be up and you'll be able to be like looking back and, you know, maybe those relationships will shift because people have to move with the change, especially when it comes to within, you know, legislation mm-hmm. and, you know, community structure. So, yeah, I actually almost even tapped out during the blood system stuff, too. Did you? Because when they changed from lifetime to five years. Yeah. I thought this is such a can I swear? Yeah. This is such a fucking joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, five years doesn't go far enough. Is well, what who's not having sex for five years? I know. Exactly. Some people, I mean, some people, but yeah, but to not do that so that you can give blood, it's just an odd, it's an odd thought when I think about it. Yeah. So at that point, I remember even writing a letter to my contacts in Canadian blood services, all mm-hmm. fiery and like, yeah. blah, 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 blah. you know, this is not, and I, You know, I, there was a period of time where I wasn't engaged at all with them. And it wasn't until I went into the social work program that I re-engaged and took a step back in. Right. So there are these periods of frustration. I think the important thing is just not allowing that anger to be the barrier and have it be more the fuel. And to channel it. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Again, I don't see a lot of people doing the things that you're doing. I mean, I, there's a lot of people involved, but it's easy for us to think, well, that's too hard or I'm not going to change it. So why should I stand up? Mm-hmm. So good on you for doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about some of the fun things that you've done that have been involved in the community? I mean, I watched you strut down English Bay in some heels and you've been involved in lots of really fun community, you know, engagements. There, what was the yes. um, fashion show that you did? I guess you've done a bunch, but the one red, I think red. Yeah, that was really exciting. Those are the fun things that I like to do in community. I think they're important. Again, those are all for a cause, right? Yeah. Strut is for Foundation of Hope, which is for LGBTQ refugees. Yes. Um, another piece of work I've done. Yeah. And Red is for Positive Living BC. Mm-hmm. And um, Shine is for Mental Health Awareness, right? So there are all these things that are for a cause, about community, and for fun. Right. And to get all dolled up and feel completely fabulous. Yes. Yeah, you look amazing. Quite exciting. People, I'm sure, will check out your Instagram after listening to this, but you've got some, like, crazy, amazing pictures. Like, I don't know how you come up with, like, the looks. I mean, I know that you've, we got our mutual friend, Michael Fells, that sometimes does your makeup. And you've got a few other people, I'm sure, that help you in (laughs) creating these, you know, very awesome outfits. Yeah, it's never me. Oh, no? no? Oh, Okay. I mean, it depends. If there's an after party or something, it's me. Right, yeah. But if it's a photo shoot or if it's a runway, that's all somebody else's creative. Cool. Yeah. That's and that's fun. the fun part, too. You just sit there and get done up and be I, fierce, bring it to life. I think that's good for people to know, too, when it comes to volunteering. And it doesn't have to be 
all about, you know, fighting for rights and standing, you know, in front of people. And it's kind of heavy. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes this charity stuff can be very exciting. Yeah. It's, it's a celebration. It's an event. It's dressing up. It's, you know, hanging out with new friends, meeting like-minded people. Like it's very mm-hmm. exciting and people don't always know how to get involved. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What do you think are some of the most important areas of involvement that people could get involved in right now? Like maybe someone listens to this podcast and thinks, oh, maybe I do want to be involved. Like what, where would you direct someone that said, I think I need to do some volunteering in the queer mm-hmm. community? I, I would say that right now, I think that the next big fight for LGBTQ rights is this fight for asylum seekers uh, and refugees. Yeah. Like that's huge because we're sitting here in our country in this state of contentment, really. Yeah. Yes, there are issues that need work. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Um, and yes, there's still homophobia and transphobia and violence happening here. And it's just people are literally fighting for their lives yeah, and running and fleeing only to just be in a state where they can love who they want to love mm-hmm. or love who they do love, you know? Yeah. So I think that's the next big battle. Really. And how do we keep these people safe? Well, and how, what is the answer to that? Like how, because the, yeah. what is the um, organization that you work with? It's the rainbow refugee. So there's, there are several organizations. I'm yeah. actually not affiliated anymore. I've resigned from the Foundation of Hope. Oh, right. Foundation of Hope. Um, after Strut last year, I decided it was time to take a step away. Yeah. Um, that work is still happening. So Foundation right. of Hope locally is an option. Okay. That's a raising money, giving money okay. to other charities. Yeah. It's not, there's no direct client contact. Right, right. Um, but there's policy change that happens. We also went to Ottawa twice to try to change legislation in terms of refugees wow. and, um, the, yeah, immigration policy. Rainbow Refugee is another local in Vancouver organization that does have client contact mm-hmm. for folks. A lot of them are inbound refugee claimants. So they've landed here. They said, I'm a refugee. And then yeah. they go through their process. And they can't go back. Yeah. Yeah. And Rainbow Railroad in Toronto mm-hmm. is a, is another organization that I would say is very commendable. I tried to get on with them, but I would have to be in Toronto and that's right. not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And they do the, a lot of the safety seeking, the exit strategizing. So oh, somebody wow. says, I am in Pakistan. My life is in danger. What do I do? The volunteer or staff then says, what are our options? What's the next best safe country that we can get you to and mm-hmm. how? Right. You know, and, like, and then creating funds and a plan and a strategy. Yes, there is some funding there wow. to facilitate that stuff. So that's the piece that I find is more interesting. Yeah. Um, that's the, that's the that's big, piece. big guns. Yeah. Yeah. And working for the foundation of hope as a volunteer for those few years, a couple of years, we would always get emails and messages from people asking for help, Wow, begging for help really. But it wasn't our mandate with the foundation to provide that help. Right. So we would have to redirect, which was always really tough. That's, that's a very heavy emotional yeah. email to receive. And they are, yeah, it's just wrought with, you know, sadness and heart wrenching stuff. Yeah. So it puts into perspective where we are in our own country. Yeah. And it really highlights the need and the distress. Yeah. Elsewhere. It almost makes like some of the things that we've gone through seem a lot more, you know, easy to handle. I guess it's just been like, it's been legal gay marriage in Canada since what, 2005. 
yeah. right? It's just so different. I can't imagine that fight. And so what a great position for you to be in to be able to be on the other end of that and listen to people that are really, really, you know, actually needing help and, and being able to access at least some services that are out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Makes me grateful for sure for what yeah. we've got going on in Canada. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Did some of the, you said you volunteer fitness train as well. I thought this was yeah. a paid thing. So that's another volunteer. You're always signing up for the next thing. So, yeah, what, so <laughs> how did that end up coming about? So I, I quit drinking in January of 2011. Okay. And within that month, I also joined a gym. Okay. And it was a whole life shift month. Yeah, I bet. And a part of that gym exploration, I came across one day by chance, I saw people doing step aerobics and the music was really fun and everybody looked like they were having a party. Right. And I thought, awesome. Okay. I'm going to come to this class. Yeah. And then that became a staple for my fitness and my well being for years. Right. And I was up in the front every week. And I know that feeling when you get to be the person in the front that like you could almost teach the class if the teacher stepped out yes. because you've just been there every week and it's something you love. Exactly. Yeah, it's great. And that's essentially what happened. The teacher said, have you thought about teaching? Yeah, yeah. And so redirected me to uh, to membership of the YMCA and I signed up for their fitness training course and mentored with this teacher that I love, cool. Sandra. And then before you knew it, I was teaching it, right? So this was never a part of my plan. And right. I absolutely love it. And it is on a voluntary basis. So mm-hmm. there was a period of time where I was working as staff at the Y. Yeah. But I didn't really like that. It was changing my relationship to my fitness. So right. I decided to just keep it fun. Yes, exactly. That's great. And it's awesome because I know that now I'm a part of people's health and fitness on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and they come to my class and you know, to get the same things that I was getting. So it's really cool to be giving that back. Right. Like Blair and I just went and had um, uh, sushi with a, a couple women who come to my class on a weekly basis. Cool. And they're from Korea and they uh, are flying back to Korea this week. So they wanted to have a little goodbye sushi sesh. Right. And they were, um, they were telling me that, that it's so important because they're in university and it's so stressful and they look forward to Thursday every week and they just love it so much. Right on. Right. So it's just so cool to be able to give that back. It's nice having that affirmation. Like this makes a difference. It's not just because I'm having fun doing fitness. I make a difference in people's lives on a weekly basis, yes. even if it and it is fun in your mind. Yeah. That's fantastic. Which speaks to the importance of vocalizing the things in your life that impact you. Right. Right. Because sometimes people don't realize yeah. How much of an impact you may be making on them. Yeah. So I think that that's one thing that we as a society don't do enough of. Yeah. I think that that's true. I think that even coming from starting this podcast, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and, you know, reflect on how it's impacted their lives. And now what I've been really trying to do is celebrate people and champion people that I know are doing good work. And because I don't think we celebrate our own our own actions a lot. Like I graduated last year and I don't really remember if I even celebrated it, you know, and that was Mm -hmm. hard work. Mm -hmm. And yeah, things like how you make a difference in your community or even just in someone's day. Like I really try to be more aware of letting someone know Mm -hmm. this is what you did. This is amazing. Yeah. Right. It's important. Yeah. It fuels and refuels the action. Yeah. Yeah. Makes you want to come back and do more. Yes. Yeah. That's good. It's a big self-esteem thing. Yes. 
Um, maybe on the topic of self-esteem, I'm just curious how you, you come off as a very confident, strong-willed, maybe like, you know, very handsome. You've got amazing photos, amazing body. You're like dedicated to fitness and, you know, this work in the community. So you come off as like a hundred, 125% self-esteem. Is that always the case? And how, how have you grown over the years? It's a big question. Maybe it's a big, yeah, loaded. (laughs) Yeah. I love it though. Well, uh, the the podcast is all about how do we feel better about ourselves? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so no, this is not always, this is, this is a new landscape for Chad. Um, because, you know, growing up, I never felt comfortable with myself ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a lot of bullying and violence around me towards me. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Williams Lake, BC. Right. So northern Small BC. Small town. What's the Small population town. like? So I don't know how much. Like 75, Too many. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, actually. Okay. Uh, and then also in Kamloops from grade nine oh, onwards. Yeah. So a little Kamloops bit of a, uh, you know, community growth there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, just never feeling comfortable with who I am and um, or how I looked. You know, my one of my sisters, my nickname from her was Ugly. Oh, all, hey, ugly, ugly, you know, brutal. I was hearing that all the time. Thanks, I know. Right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I know, yeah, it just didn't feel good. And all of that discomfort and low self-esteem translated into drug and alcohol use Yeah, for, um, like a, you know, a decade of my life, really, it was pretty hard in my grade 12 year. I was snorting crystal meth off of the, the hallway of the school. Yeah. Like this was my reality yep. at that time. Yep. barely graduated, had to plead one of my teachers to graduate. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it just spiraled. I came out, um, in the summer before grade 12 started and I, you know, it just, yeah, it, it rolled into this whole new exploration of self and, um, that included drugs and sex and new wardrobe and new looks <laughs> and all, you know, I was raving lots and yeah, yeah, lots of chaos. So it wasn't really until I, decided to live sober mm-hmm. and get rid of all of that, all of those crutches and that behavior Right. that I started to really find an authentic self. How um, old were you when you got sober? I was 26. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm 33 now. Right. I would have met you just right when you got sober. Yeah. Around then. And then I started drinking again, actually just about a year later. Mm-hmm. Cause I think it was, Oh, it was 2011. Yeah. That's right. So same year. So that's why we didn't, we just kind of crossed paths briefly back then. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that's when it all started being sober at 26 years old. Like I, you know, going down this path of drugs and alcohol, which it's funny because I think sometimes that is what takes us to a place where we can explore our sexual identity. Yes. And it happens to involve drugs and often it does get out of hand. But in my experience, like I know that that's a definite step that needed to happen. Because I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't know enough about myself to be where I am now, especially to be a strong, confident person. You have to sometimes go down to be able to come up as far as maybe you have. Right. So what was it like being, you know, 26 moving forward? Like, how did you pick up the pieces? (laughs) Well, obviously, sobriety plays a big part. but A huge part, yes, as did fitness, right? Because then it was my mental health was being mended via the work of the program of AA. Right. And through the work of having a sponsor. Yeah. 
and also a supportive family who knew that I was now in the program and, and being sober. That's great. Um, so I was building a network of support around me who knew what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. I let go of the friends in quotes, right? who <laughs> were maybe not having my best interest at heart and wanted right. to party more than anything else. Yeah. And then the physical health came through fitness. And when I started to recognize the the changes in my body and um, starting to see more muscle and abs, I'm like, wow, okay, I feel really good. I feel strong. Mm-hmm. I, I, my commitment to the gym has actually been paying off and I can see that now. Right. So then that reaffirmed the determination and the, and the, the motivation to continue. And then Instagram happened, <laughs> you know, and I set up an account and started posting pictures and um, those pictures slowly transformed into more selfies. Right. And, um, you know, I, so my, my interaction with selfies via social media has been an interesting process in itself. Hmm. And I actually wrote a, a blog called selfie confidence, hashtag selfie confidence. Oh, wow. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of negative opinions about people who post selfies. There's almost like a selfie shame. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, being somebody who never wanted to look at myself mm. and then to now be able to post a, a, a selfie and love myself. Yeah. I think that's an important thing. Right. And it's not teetered into this very unhealthy narcissistic side. Right. It is, I think, a very healthy self-love right. that honors the work that I've done yeah. and the progress that I've made. Do you think that people looking at your photos alone without being able to know that maybe it's not coming from this narcissist side, do you feel like people might make that judgment just based on what they see? Oh yeah, for sure. Right. Like why not? And some of it is narcissism and I'm not, I'm not going to completely disregard the component of narcissism. Well, we all like the likes. Yeah, exactly. We like to have comments that, you know, fulfill a need that reminds me like, yeah, I'm doing okay. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to part one of the interview with Chad Walters. And please check your podcast player soon for part two, where we get further into talk about selfies, social media, self-esteem and nudity, as well as Chad's time on a reality TV show and how he fell in love with his fiance. So coming soon. Check it out.